high drama of yeah. a, a dog doing a wee? Well, it's my personal assistant's day off. <laughs> that is a joke. I deal with my own poo. Welcome to a brand new series of Walking the Dog. Now, it's not often I repeat a guest on this show. In fact, it's not ever. But I've decided to make an exception in this person's case, partly because he's an exceptional man, but also because since his last appearance with a borrowed dog, he's only gone out and got his very own dog. I secretly think it's all because he wants to appear on my podcast again. My guest this week is the utterly hilarious comedy genius Lee Mack. Lee took me for a walk, pre-lockdown, calm down everyone, in his local West London park to meet his silver Labrador puppy, Ludo, who is, by the way, absolutely adorable. But then let's face it, so is Lee. The man's a joy to spend a day with. We talked about how he was adjusting to dog ownership and the world of poo bags, his fear of flying, his views on class, and also his brilliant new podcast, I Can't Believe It's Not Buddha. It's basically him and his best mate, Neil, sharing their forays into mindfulness, meditation and spirituality. If you haven't heard it yet, you must, because it's not only fascinating and thought-provoking, it's also utterly hilarious. It's a thing of genius. So do download it wherever you get your podcasts. I really hope you enjoy my walk with Lee. I'll shut up now, as I know he'll be saying, all right, love, when do I get a word in? Remember to do the usual, rate, review and subscribe, and I'll hand over to the man himself. Here's Lee and Ludo. Lee, do you think these shoes are all right? Yeah. Can yeah. I ask you a question? Yeah. Is there any reason why this has taken so long to get going and that you don't like doing it at this time of day? Right, come on then. We're recording now, are we? Oh, we're off. Come on, Lee. How do you start your podcast? Do you say, hello, this is Lee, or do you just pretend we're mid-conversation? I'll tell you what I do. I just start talking and then I might do the intro in a second just to build up some atmosphere. All oh, right. That's, that's nice. You don't like you don't do that thing where you fake it by going. <laughs> yeah, no, that 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 is a good point. So, and then you're like, oh god, even even when you join us, we're having fun. You don't do that. That's uh, a good way, isn't it? You just pretend. <laughs> god, these guys. Wish I could be part of that world. <laughs> I I am going to introduce you because oh, no. this is a really special moment for me. Because Lee Mack is the first person who's ever come back again to yeah, do a second I'm, walk uh, in the dog. This is my second visit. And yeah. the last time I came, I was a typical non-dog owner in that I just, you know, to use that old comedy cliche, I was the cat person. Got three cats and, and all these comedic pe things people do about the difference between cats and dogs are based on truth. You know, they're just low maintenance, right? And dogs. A high maintenance. And oh, so you lent me a dog last time. I did. We borrowed Livy from the Dogs Trust, who was yeah. a collie cross. And my abiding memory of that, Lee, were there were two things I remember. The first was when Livy went to the bathroom. Yeah. You said, "Help, call the police." <laughs> and then you said to me, "There's a lot of talking to people with dogs, isn't there?" Well, here's, here's the thing, because. So what I'm saying is, it, I then decided, even though we'd had a lovely day, you perhaps would never get a dog. So I would like it, to pretend that I went away from that and said, I, I, I have, 
she's made me think differently about life. I see it more that despite that day, I got a dog rather than because of it. <laughs> and, and we've been talking about it. We have actually been talking about it for about 25 years, me and my good lady Tara. I've been saying, should we get a dog? Should we get a dog? And then we thought, no, I'll have some kids instead. We had three kids. And then, should we get a dog now? All the kids are a bit young. What if the dog attacks the kids? Yeah, let's not do it. This carried on for years and years. And then our youngest is eight. And we thought, well, if we don't get a dog now, we'll probably never get a dog. Because if you're going to get a dog, at least have a dog so the kids can grow up with the dog. I grew up with a dog. And from the age of seven to 21, he was alive. So he was part of my youth. So I thought that'd be nice for them to have that as well. Um, and can we, before we go any further, can we introduce your dog who... Yeah, is who I now have in my hand, I should say. Uh, <laughs> We're not just walking. <laughs> who is astonishingly beautiful. You just said he looked like me before we went to <laughs> this podcast. We were having a coffee and you went, he actually looks like you. And I thought, oh, OK. I mean, I can't think of a dog in the world. I, I mean, you could, you could do a competition of the billion dogs in the world and find the most beautiful, and I would still not want to look like it. <laughs> well, you've got similar eyes. You've both got very piercing blue eyes. And we both have an unusual way of cleaning ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Can you introduce me to your dog, Lee? Right, so this is Ludo. Now, first of all, the name. Well, I'll tell you the breed first, actually. The, uh, Which way are we going, Lee? In this conversation? Yeah. Because <laughs> I did say... Shall we go his, that way? His name's Ludo. Actually, I'll tell you his breed first, which was immediately followed by, which way are we going, Lee? And I thought, all right, we're just chatting. Have a direction with your conversation, know where you're heading, and go straight for it. Are you Alan Partridge? Right. You, but you meant which way we're turning. <laughs> we're turning left, yes. Oh. So this is Ludo, who is a Labrador. I don't know if you've ever heard of a Labrador before. They're a very unusual dog. Yes, he's holding a stick. Lee, he's got a stick in his mouth. You are saying that like it's the first time you've ever seen a dog, as opposed to your hundredth podcast. <laughs> to be fair, you've seen my dog. He's a silver Labrador, the more unusual Labrador, and a lot of people think he's a Weimarana. We got him as a puppy, and he's... Uh, I did my little bit of research. You see, if you, if you look online and you have little league tables, what is the dog that is most friendly with kids? And what is the dog that, that doesn't bark too much? And what is the dog that is easy to train? Labrador are the Manchester United or Manchester City. They always seem to be near the top of the league. And that is why we, we got him, he, because we thought we'd play safe. But then I thought, I want something a bit different. Let's go for a silver one. Because that way, he, he looks like a Weimarana, which I quite fancy, but did badly in the league table. <laughs> um, did it? Well, not as good as the lab, but nothing can beat the lab. That's why they're so popular. Mm. But uh, what, going back to the conversation you said earlier, what I didn't realise about the silver lab is that it would draw more attention. Ludo likes the producer. He's a bit of a ladies' man. Yeah, he's, uh, he's heading that way, isn't he? But he likes... I don't want you to be... Jealous. I don't think it's. I mean, when you first saw him when he got out of the car, then you went, I think dogs really like me. And we're five minutes in and he's already bored with you. And he's moving on to your producer. But in some ways, I feel similar. Do Can you? Can you give her the mic? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. Do you. I must stop you. I think he's defecating. I, I I've actually got the bags. have a I've got bag. the bags. I've got the bags. I will take control of the situation. Watch me in action. Because I know you probably don't trust me as a person that can... Uh, it was a wee. It was a wee. <laughs> right. 
I always get mixed up. The liquid one that comes out of the, the, the sticky bit, that's the way, right? That, that was quite, I mean, that was quite high drama of yeah. a, a dog doing a wee. Well, it's my personal assistant's day off. <laughs> that is a joke. I deal with my own poo. <laughs> that sort of alludes to what I was saying earlier, which is I felt you were quite stressed beforehand about the amount of before I got the, the list of things you had to tick off and to do yeah, it well, you, we did text you, didn't we, and say, right, we're in the shop. What do we need to get? What do we need to get? Do we need to get this? And you said, I don't think a rubber ladybird is essential <laughs> at this stage. We had it. It's like the shop was going to be open for one day for the rest of our lives, and it was now or never. It was a panic bar, you know, because I thought it might be like, you know, when there was no toilet paper for a while and no flour. Yeah. I thought there might be a run on rubber toys or, <laughs> or, or those dental things that they eat to make their breath smell nicer. Yes, dental sticks are great. Are they good? We haven't done that yet. Right, there seems to be more defecation or urination. He's definitely doing one or the other. <gasps> Hold the coffee, please. It's a runny poo, a very runny poo. I will now, I will now pick it up. <laughs> I am picking it up. It goes in the bag, bag tied, in I pocket, can... and now treat, hang on, oh, treat, yeah. treat. There you go, Ludo, sit, lie down, lie down, go on, lie down, lie down. Emily, will you lie down? Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, there you go, marvellous. Ludo, good boy. The, ch the children chose the name Ludo. I wanted to go for Smokey because he's a grey colour. The kids felt that it might suggest he smokes. I'm with the kids. Yeah, I'm Ludo, and also I think of Ludo as being a very plasticky, bit rubbishy game. But actually, I don't think kids play oh, Ludo. Oh, that's anymore. nice to say in front yeah, of but, him. Yeah, but A, he can't <laughs> understand English, and B, uh, the kids don't know that game. They don't really play Ludo, because it's not available on the PS4. I so, think of um, Ludwig Kennedy. The, do you know him? I do, yes, because believe it or not, despite the act, I am a bit cultured. <laughs> the violinist who sports Aston Villa. Yeah? <laughs> I know it's Nigel, get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> he was a sort of 1970s intellectual, wasn't he? Mm. Um, to be honest with you, the 1970s was a pretty rough time. Even I was a 1970s <laughs> intellectual. <laughs> that says more about the 1970s. What are you doing? Come on. Lee? Oh my God, I think he's eating deer poo. We, oh, there are deer here. We should say as well, we're in uh, Bushy Park. And I have to say, my dog is doing very well with the training. The one area of training he isn't doing well at is coming back to me, hence me keeping him on the lead because I've always got one eye on a Benton situation. <laughs> is it Benton, that dog? Is, that is it name? Fenton? Benton! Fenton. Ben Fenton, was yeah. it? Fenton. And I'm always worried that... Yeah, I mean, he just doesn't come back, so... You see, you went Benson, because, again, 70s smoking Benson. reference. Benson. <laughs> Let's go back I, to... I you meant the butler from Soap. <laughs> you had dogs when you were growing up, didn't you? Correct. So I had... I, no, I, a dog. So I lived in... You'll have to look back and see how much of this is repetitious. I can't remember, of course. Um, I mean, it's news to me that it's my second appearance. <laughs> but, come on, Ludo. Uh, Ludo. It, have a stick, go on. No, there yeah. you go, have a stick. He likes, he likes a stick. Do you know what, there's, oh no, there's deer around here, I was going to let him off. Um, yeah, so I had, a, I lived in a pub 
in the 1970s and a dog turned up on the doorstep, pregnant. It was with your mum and dad and brother? No, no, with puppies. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> that's how I got introduced to them. <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting that to come out. Will you meet my mum and dad and brother? Um, no, it was uh, a dog turned up at the pub in the winter and it was mm. like, it had a bit of husky in it. We don't know quite what, I think it was a mongrel, but it was a big golden fluffy teddy bear type dog. Mm. Kind of dog that well, you think, why would anybody not want to keep this dog? It felt like he'd, someone had kicked him out, kicked her out even. Yeah. And so she turned up, my dad gave her the very healthy uh, food subs, food of pie and mushy peas that we used to sell in the pub. And the dog thought, oh, that's the right result and kept coming back every day for pie and mushy peas. So eventually we just kept the dog. We took, we went to the police and no one claimed her. So we had, we kept her and she had puppies and we gave the puppies away. And then uh, that dog stayed in our house till I was 21. Because your parents ran a pub. So she, she was one of those pub dogs that you used to see a lot. Yeah, she was uh, very much. And this is the seventies when dogs would roam the street with no microchipping, no collars. Yeah. There was dog poo everywhere. And I'd like to pretend that I found that outrageous when in fact that was my dog. I would say my dog was 90% responsible for the poo in this country. He, because he lived outside, because he was a, a wild dog, well, a, a stray dog when we found him, and he had a husky bit in him yeah. and, and hated the warm, just loved the cold. Then he would, she would constantly just live outside. So she would just, especially with a pub, you just the door's always open Hang and on, shut. Hang on, you said he and she, is it a male keep, or female? I keep forgetting because it's been a while. I'm now 52 and I have now got a male dog. What was the first thing you felt? Were you scared when you got Ludo? Yeah. Very excited. Kids are excited, presumably. Tara's oh, excited. We all drove to Birmingham to pick him up. Yeah. Um, come on. Also, he's a Birmingham dog. Oh, yeah. yeah listen to him bark. You'll hear the, you'll hear the accent, <laughs> which you think is a joke, but apparently animals do have accents. Did you know that? Is that right? Well, cows do. A cow will moo, have a regional moo. Well, I did a science programme on Sky, and that's what, that's what I was told, and that's what I was happy to tell the nation. I hope they did their research. A French, or maybe it's a country, a French cow moves differently to an English cow. Really? Yeah. Oh. That's a cutie. That is a cutie. Oh, look. A little dog's arrived. And my dog is obsessed with dogs that are small. Oh, is he a bit worried? Oh. Yeah, my dog is, Ludo will sort of jump on him in a friendly way because he's smaller. Hello, sweetheart. Hello, Come darling. On. Are you worried? Do you want me to stand out the way? Are you there? Oh, oh, he's, oh, he's scratching his bottom <laughs> on the, on the ground. Oh, he's had a stroke. I can't, can't work it out. This dog Ludo. is... Um, Hello, sweetheart. It's okay. Come on, it's okay. I'm going to take this dog out of here. Come on. Come on, there you go. Marla was worried Did you see my dog handling there? You did very well. Well, I said dog handling. He went towards the dog and the dog <laughs> ran away from you in a way that suggested a past <laughs> experience with that dog. Can I say I averted a potentially very ugly situation there? Well, if, yeah, if that's the narrative you want to play out, then yeah, you were very much Bruce Willis in that die-hard situation. <laughs> I just saw a woman going for a dog with her hand and the dog pelted it, but, you know. So, Lee, you're in the car going to, uh, to Birmingham. Birmingham. Yeah. Oh, the whole family made the trip? I think it might have been Wolverhampton. It was the Midlands. And the whole family made the trip? Uh, the whole family went. We were very excited, yes. We've got it was, the travel suites. We've got the travel suites. We've got the, uh, the cage that I did a lot of research on. Oh, sorry, the, the crate, because I'm learning. You don't say cage, because 
I can only assume dog owners don't want to like feel like they're putting a dog in a cage, yeah. even though every bit of evidence suggests it's a cage. <laughs> but it's called a crate, which I traditionally associate with wood. <laughs> Have you ever seen a metal crate in your life? I think there is something horrible sounding about a cage. I mean, you know, let's give it a different name then. You know, it just sounds. My uncle, he's not in prison, isn't he? No, no, he's in a massive crate, which is much more palatable. It's a cage. But sometimes... Can I just point out he's not? That was me making the point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Take your coffee. So go on. We still... We tend to do this a lot, Lee, because you and I get distracted easily because we have a... Uh, we're not neurotypical, are we? Well, what is, what is neurotypical? I don't mean scientifically what is it. I mean... What, what, what it is... It means our brains... I know what it means. I we've mean... discovered... <laughs> Okay, don't get sensitive. I know what it means. I mean, if you'd have said we're not the typical type of person, I'd go, yeah, but what is typical? Well, I suppose people's brains do tend to work in a standard pattern. Right. And we've both been told that we have ADHD. No, you've been told, I suspect. You suspect. I've not, you've had the test, haven't you? Yeah. And I've, I have done the test, but for a joke. So I started joking around on it and like, do you get distracted easily? And I drew balls and a and a willy, you mm. know, that type of thing. As an adult having it, and I do suspect I've got it, I haven't spoken to people about it, then it's, it has its ups and its, you know, its positives and its negatives. And the, the positives are, certainly in my job on panel games and stuff, that I can hear seven people talking, <laughs> whereas some people are just focusing on the one person talking. Yeah. So you can tune in to what suits. Uh, what you want to talk about and you can but we've i think we talked about this before the idea that when i go to a pub well i don't go into pubs anymore but when i used to go to pubs i'd often go oh god it was all kicking off wasn't it <laughs> they go what was <laughs> the conversation behind us where that row broke out <laughs> and they go what broke round? i go you're not serious that huge argument and the people go i didn't notice anything i started thinking <laughs> am i just nosy but to me it's like it is like having eight or nine radio channels going off at once that's what it is and yeah. most people can tune into one but you tend to tune into nine the problem is you're not listening to any one of them <laughs> succinctly enough or you have mad obsessive concentration on one thing right lee we've really got to get back to when you got ludo oh sorry so you're in the car yeah you've gone to birmingham gone to birmingham we've already been to birmingham well, let's call it the midlands because I can't remember exactly where it was. We went to the Midlands and we, we checked out the dog. We chose the dog from a litter. And then we went back on the, the correct date where we were allowed to pick him up. The first date was extremely exciting and actually hard because you're choosing which one. And that's really hard because they're very young. It's very hard to tell them apart at that age. Yeah. And they wanted to go for the one that was, uh, you know, the natural instinct is to go for the little one that's jumping up and down and looking like she wants some attention. But I wanted to go for the placid one that, that was calmer. And eventually I got my way. We went for the calmer one. You see, that's interesting. I would have obviously gone for the, the small one jumping up and down wanting attention. Because it looks like, oh, this, this little girl loves me. She's going to want my attention all the time. Yeah, I know you. You're needy. Whereas me... I just want this thing in my Psychopath. peripheral vision now and again. <laughs> um, what was the first night like, Lee? It's like having a kid, you know, you, you can get told all the things in your NTC classes, but when you have a 
Is it NTC? Is that the right phrase? NCT. NCT. I don't have children, FYI, but I know that. Yeah, go on. FIY? <laughs> FYI, I No, I was joking because I got NTC right. <laughs> uh, I'm not explaining them all. Um, so the first night, we thought this dog, we got told the dog would howl for its, its mother mm. and be really upset. And it also needs to go to the toilet a lot um, because it's a puppy and it'll be nervous. And so, t- so we moved a, an old sofa into the kitchen and I was working that week and I had to be up early. So Tara said, I will sleep downstairs for the first few nights with the dog. And I think, you know, she was playing the, isn't this nice of me doing this? I suspect she was trying to get first bit of bond. Do you know what I mean? Because we've got a cat. Since I lasted the podcast with you, we bought a new cat. And the cat is known, it's a British blue, and they're known for picking on one person in the family, bonding with them over everybody else. And I picked that cat up, that kitten up. Oh. And ever since then, she's always been my sort of, she follows me. Hey. Yeah, now you're pointing at a deer there, aren't you? We may have a fencing situation. I never know when the rutting season is, but if he saw them, he would be over like a shot. We're looking at about a dozen very horny, and I mean they've got horns, uh, deer. Should we call them stag? Yeah. We're looking at some stags. Are they, are they aggressively, or are they quite docile? What the hell do I know? I'm a stand-up comedian who's 52. I bought a dog eight weeks ago. That is as near to nature as I, I have ever been. And so suddenly you see the dog, you go, can I ask you, Lee, the rotting stags, are they, I don't know, I know as much as you. <laughs> Lee, can you hear the bird song? Would I be right in saying it's, it's the male chaffinch? I have no idea. All I know, I know as much as you. So let's just walk quickly. I just thought, given that this was your manor, you brought me here. Listen, I come to this park occasionally. Occasionally. What I don't do is sort of grab their testicles to see how far I can go before they get aggressive. <laughs> bye bye, dear. Let's see you, love. Oh, sorry. I was thought... <laughs> getting confused. <laughs> sorry, I, I saw three people approaching the other way. You said, bye bye, dear. I saw an audience <coughs> and felt the need to say, all right, bye, love. Well, that is, that is a problem, isn't it? Um, God, it's boiling, isn't it? Sorry. I get hot very easily. I think I'm having menopause. I'm just taking my, ne- my next jacket off. I'll keep going till I'm naked. Can you hold my dog, please? Alan Corcoran, who I do the radio show with, oh. is Frank. He has a whippet called Lucky, which I think he just named it Lucky so that I could say, when did you get Lucky? And he could go, However, one thing I... You know, similarly, I wanted to call him your vasectomy. (laughs) When did you get your vasectomy? Um... (laughs) It would be good. I always think of lucky as being, you know, that's a catchphrase in our house, because you know that old joke? When did you get lucky? I'll say it is. I've seen your wife. She's stone cold fox gorgeous. Yes, well, I mean, I'm talking about the... You know, funny you should say this, we talked about this the other day on... Uh, to work with Roisin Conaty, you know Roisin? Oh, yes. Love Her Roisin. sister met Tara and said, I assume you two have been together like, after you became a comedian <laughs> and had a bit of money. And I, and I said, no, no, we, we, met, we met before I ever was a comedian, when we were at university. And she looked aghast <laughs> at why this woman would be with me. And do you know what she said? Did, did you save her life or something? 
incredible. That's incredible. Bold statement to make after five minutes of meeting <laughs> someone. Oh, Lee, look at that big one. Is that, what is that? Is that a, shepherd, a German Shepherd? Did we talk about this in the first animals. first podcast? That was bitten by a sh- an Alsatian and made the national papers. Do you know this story? Oh, yes. Did we talk about well, that? No, I can't remember. If, tell me what happened again. Remind me briefly. After this podcast, we'll go be socially distanced coffee at my house in the garden and I will bring down the newspaper that I found recently from 1970-something of me being page three of the Sunday People. I oh, know, it's not what you're thinking. <laughs> I mean, I was a chubby kid, but I didn't have boobs. So, you were bitten, so... Bitten, yeah. But, so you had to... Do you think getting the dog when you... Your dog, pub dog, as I call your dog, pub dog made you overcome the fear of it? I wasn't scared. The truth is, I just got bitten by a guard dog, and there was a spate of guard dogs biting people, and we can't go, we can't go carry well, on because there's a German Shepherd. If we go left, there's a rutting stag. Why don't we split the difference and go just past that man mm. with the knife? Oh, he's having another wee. Do you know what I find gobsmacking? I think I remember saying this to you, that I am one of these people, before I had a dog, I thought I would struggle with picking up the poo. Mm. Never did I realise that it would completely be the opposite, where I'd be so proud that he's had a poo. It's one of the most pleasurable things I do, is pick up the poo. Because I go, oh, he's had a poo. I know he's going to be all right now. He's not going to do it in the house. He did it outside, and it was a solid one. It wasn't runny. And I've come running in. I've held it in a bag and gone, feel that. You know, and, and how proud I am that he's done a solid poo. That's a long journey from, I can't go near that. It becomes like the highlight of the day, because... We're like, oh my gosh, she's had a poo. Is that, I mean, I haven't had kids myself, but is, does it feel, is it similar to when you have a kid in that sense, that there's stuff that you think, oh God, I'd never do that? Oh, listen, when we had a child, my wife used to regularly smell the wee in the nappies when they were very young and go, oh, it's such a sweet smell. Have a smell and push it so far to my face that sometimes it would touch my face. And I used to go, that is disgusting. And she was known on the odd occasion to do it with poo. She was going to go, oh, there's something very sweet about baby poo, early baby poo. And be wafting it near my face. And I'd be like, what are you doing? But the wee carried on for quite a while. The wee was like, it has a very sweet smell, she said. I mean, I think she wanted to bring it out as a fragrance. And so what's changed for you? And how has the dog changed your house, do you think? Well... I'll tell you what we did. We, we allowed, we, we spent a long time following the rules of saying, no, don't, you know, show them who's the boss. So don't let them up on the sofa. And we wanted the kind of dog that jumps on the bed and the sofa and all that. But we, we got told don't, because if you start letting them do that, they won't know who's the boss and then you'll have problems in other areas. But we've decided he's allowed on the sofa in, that we've brought in the kitchen, right? And it's because he's, he's stopped doing that nippy thing, stopped biting and so... Now, what I do is I go to the sofa and I lie down on it and he immediately jumps up and lands on my belly and just looks adoringly at me as he just lies there. And it is the most relaxing thing in the world. Do you know that feeling of if someone's lying on top of you? I don't mean it in a sexual way. But if someone's lying on yeah. top of you, there's something very relaxing about that. Yeah. Have you ever had... Like having a baby or a small child on you, it Just feels a, a bit weight, like that, any it? sort yeah. of weight on you. It's the reason yeah. why we lie down and we put cushions on us. Yeah. Feeling of security. But a dog, especially his age, because he's not, he's not a fully grown dog yet, just lying on, on me. And if I feel a tiny bit stressed and he just lies on me, I immediately feel calmer. To the point where I was thinking of getting some sort of 
papoose and taking him to work so that, you know, if the show isn't going so well, I've got a duck lying on me. But never mention it, obviously. Do you think he does make you a bit calmer? Well, I've... I'm not trying to shamelessly promote my podcast, but I'm into meditation well, at the moment, which I'm sure we will talk about. <laughs> Otherwise, what is the point of me doing this? <laughs> um, so maybe that has a bit. Um, but having said that, coincidentally, I got this dog at a time when I've completely slackened off from the meditation. But no, it definitely works. It, it, it's um... Well, actually, maybe we, this is a good time to talk about your podcast because... To me, it's interesting that you've got the dog, which I associate with having beneficial mental health. Can I health. just say, before you ask me that question? Sure. ADHD. Man in front of us did something with his coat. Yeah. I'm convinced something has fallen out of his coat onto the floor, oh, and we? we're going to have to call him back. However, yeah. I don't want to take the risk in case yeah. it's an old bit of paper and it looks like a complaint. So we will pass casually. Oh, we'll pass casually. Then we'll now we've passed him. We'll pick up the face. We'll see what he's dropped, and then we'll say, "Excuse me, mate." Or if, it, if he says, "Well, I know it's an old crisp really? packet," you know what? what's it to you, Mister? You know, we'll have ag- aggravation and everything, won't we? I feel like uh, Rosemary and Time, the detectives. Something dropped. What is it? What is it? Let's have a look. Something dropped. This is the big mystery. What dropped out of the man's pockets? It was. Oh, it's, it's a, a coronavirus. Shall we pick it? <sighs> Okay, here's a dilemma. Did he mean to... Dr- I don't think he did. I'm going to call him. You're the celebrity, so it might be more embarrassing. Yeah, say... I call him. Excuse me? Excuse me? I think he, he dropped just... something. Your mask? <laughs> Thank you. I thought you That's might okay. need it. <laughs> Sorry if you dropped it on purpose and we weren't <laughs> shaming you. No, no, thank you so much. No worries. <laughs> no probs. Yeah, no. I thought we dealt with that really well. Yeah, yeah, we did. We gave it a light-hearted touch. We weren't shaming you. <laughs> And yet, as you say, luckily, we, I did it all. Of course, you know, I, I was very sort of like, it mortifies me the idea if someone drops a bit of paper, because it was definitely accidental. And if that had been a bit of paper and we'd have said, Excuse me, you've dropped a bit of paper, he'd have thought, Well, all right, we all make mistakes, because it was definitely a mistake. Sometimes it's worth risking humiliation to do a good thing. I love doing a good thing. I'm sometimes tempted to run up to someone and say, Here, you dropped a fiver, even though they didn't, and just <laughs> giving them a fiver. Just because. They think I'm so great, and that's worth a fiver, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, listen, how good would that... That person's going to feel great all day, you're going to feel great, and it's cost a fiver. And, and if you can't afford a fiver, you know, a pound, 50p, anything. Do you know what I mean? Or, small child, if you've got a small child with you, you can do it with 2p. Get the small child to run after the adult with two pence. They think your child is really cute, it's only cost you 2p. The daughters think she's done something great. It's a life-affirming thing. Not wonderful. Well, you can do if you lie to people. I've noticed, and I do now want to talk about your podcast. Oh, yes. Because I noticed when we came out the first time with the dog... Yeah. ..it wasn't your dog, you had said the thing that you find most difficult is sort of all people talking to you and all that interaction. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say something quite personal. Okay. I felt You know that I might not answer you. I know. I felt you've been a bit... That's an incredible response. I might not answer you. Yeah, I know. But I'm going to push on regardless. OK. I felt you've been slightly less anxious about that. I feel you're a little bit more relaxed now, if well, I'm totally course, honest. Well, of course, when I was with you, I had a dog that you lent to me from some sort of 
dog borstal or something. And I didn't know if it was an ASBO dog. Sorry, we don't just, use ASBO just, dog. Just to clarify, that's the Dogs Trust, who are a very reputable yes, dog no, rescue centre. no, I'm saying it lightheartedly, and I fully support the Dog Trust. I feel like you're a bit calmly. Well, because I just wasn't... I'm not... Listen, I'm on the telly, and that is a fact. And occasionally people come up to you and they talk to you, and I'm, I'm fairly private. I'm quite a private person. I don't do social media, um, any of that nonsense. And so this is the closest I would will do it to social media, is a podcast. And indeed, my own podcast now, which I'm sure we're going to get to at some point, because, as I said before, otherwise, what is the point in me doing this? Um, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I don't mind a hello, how are you, blah, blah, but I don't like having too many conversations with strangers but that's not that's not just because I'm on the telly it's because I've always been like that a bit private you know so I'll say hello to people but I don't want to but you have to let go of that with a dog especially mm. a dog like this because it's a silver Labrador mm. so you have to get ready for the same conversation at least 20 times on every walk and it goes something like this oh that's isn't he lovely what, what is he and I always start off with a dog never gets a laugh and then they go, yeah, but what kind of dog? And I go, it's a Labrador. Oh, I've, I've never seen a silver Labrador. Yes, a lot of people think they're Weimaraners. Oh, oh I didn't. Oh, um, and how old is he? He's 16 weeks. And then, of course, you reciprocate. And what's your, what's your uh, dog? Well, it's a Dalmatian. You must have known that. Well, all right, I'm just having conversation with you. How old is he? Shall I count the spots? Well, I thought it was worth more, and she doesn't laugh, and then blah, 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 continue. This goes on every single time. Not one person has ever come up to me since I've had a dog and go, I like your shoes, where'd you get them? <laughs> or... Well, to or, be fair, that didn't happen that often before you No, it didn't, dog. and to be fair, look at me. You know, I was using it in as an example. No one's ever come up to me and gone, oh, it's, it's a nice day, isn't it? And it's... Uh, so, you know, there's a nice coffee shop around there. None of that. You can let go of any conversation about anything other than your dog and his or her dog. I quite like that interaction, though, because... No, I have to say, yeah, I sort of do as well. It's quite... It's, 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 it's repetitive, but you've got to let go of it. If you think you're going to walk, take your dog for a walk and not talk to at least 20 people that day... But do you know what? I have to say, I, I do like it. At first, I thought I'd be wary of it, but I quite like it because it's... It reminds you that actually most people are pretty cool, aren't they? They're nice, yeah. they're relaxed, they're, they're nice And it's people. about being open and it's about living in the present, which brings me neatly... Oh, nice. ...to... <laughs> I can't believe it's not Buddha. ...my podcast. But sadly, is... Lee, we've run out of time. <laughs> and then I'll say, but ah, but what is time? And you'll say, I don't care, we've run out of it. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. is the podcast... You started recently with... He's, he's kind of your best mate, isn't he, Neil? Yeah, he's one Webster. of my oldest mates from university. He's called Neil Webster, and he's... Uh, we, we we went to uni together. I was a mature student, and I think he was a bit older than the others. What uni was it again, are we allowed to say? Uh, it was Brunel University. Well, it started off when we joined as West London Institute of Higher Education, and then halfway through became Brunel. Thank God, because <laughs> the first one sounds more like one below a polytechnic catering college and the second one sounds like I now know how to build bridges <laughs> and, and you probably missed all that I just dropped my mic 
we went to university and one of the first things I remember him telling me was, um, I thought I'm going to like this guy because one of the first thing he told me was he'd been mugged and then decided that he'd, he'd not been, you know, he'd just moved to London to, to go to university, got mm. mugged, was worried. And so he decided he can't just stay in, his, in the house for a few days, which he was doing. He decided to face the world again, you know. Mm. So he got a coat hanger from his bedroom, a wire coat hanger, and he put it on his head. Uh, and spent the next week just going outside only with a wire coat hanger on his head on the basis that he thinks you're not going to mug a man who's got a coat hanger on his head. <laughs> and I sort of see the logic in that. You go, if you've got a choice of all the people, why choose the man with the coat hanger on his head? You, you, you're chancing it, aren't you? Because yeah. who knows what he's capable of if he's capable of putting a wire coat hanger on his head. And I thought, oh, I like this guy. And then he wrote a little... Uh, movie, which was a sort of like Spinal Tap type movie, and he, he knew I started doing stand-up, so he asked me to be in it. I said to him when I got a job in telly, right, doing stand-up show in the nineties. I said, look, you you're, you can write jokes, can't you? Just write some jokes, man. You get paid per joke. One thing led to the other. He ended up owning a production company uh, that that ended up making Would I Lie to You? Uh, blah blah blah, and then. He's now got his own production company and lives in Scotland. But he's always been, you know, a writer and behind the cameras. And Although when we met, we were in sketch shows together and things. Mm. But he soon gave up that side of performing. Um, but we've always made each other laugh. Hope, you know, even if it's just... <laughs> even if no-one else finds it funny, we've made each other laugh. So we've been talking about the idea of a podcast for a while. Uh, and then, coincidentally, we both got interested in... Uh, the world of meditation. Did that have anything to do with giving up drinking, do you think? No, it wasn't, that wasn't the order of events. The first event was, I went out for a walk with Rob Brydon, who said that, can I just interrupt this conversation? He said, is it normal for a dog to be breathing that heavily? Because what I can't understand is, he's thrusting forward on the lead so much, his neck is digging into the collar so much. Can you hear that on the mic? Now, I'm not, why doesn't he just stop pulling? Sometimes as well. Sometimes you've got to loosen the collar as they grow. <laughs> you've got to loosen the collar. <laughs> I should point out, I have loosened the collar quite a lot. And sometimes you can bring water as well for them. Oh, well, no, I always bring water. <laughs> I do, I always bring water for the dog. But one time I don't, I get pulled up on a nationally broadcast, nationally broadcast podcast. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah, so go on. So you I mean, just... I don't give him any of the water. <laughs> I was out for a walk with Rob Brydon and he said, oh, he'd been reading that Jerry Seinfeld meditates, does transcendental meditation and uh, swears by it and he's been doing it for 25 years and it's, it's a big thing in his life. And I just thought it was quite interesting, you know, the idea of, I didn't really know anyone who'd done it really. I didn't, didn't, I wasn't aware of it as a thing. And I thought, I've heard of transcendental meditation. I'll have a crack at that, something to do, innit? <laughs> just, just a laugh. I, think I gave it no more thought than I'll just give it a crack. Uh, one thing led to another. I ended up getting my mantra off a, off a bloke. <laughs> Not in a pub. I actually had a proper... I booked in. Because they come and see. You have to go through a little bit of a pretentious sort of thing where you have to gift a handkerchief, an orange and a bunch of flowers to the Maha... Maha I can never say it. Maha, 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 what's he called? Maharishi. You'd think I'd know this, given that I do a podcast about Buddhism meditation. <laughs> and so we did a... Maharishi? That's it. And, you know, the Beatles guy. So I had the meditation thing, and then I just found uh, it, it was beneficial. But not in a sort of life-changing, 
oh my god I'm at one with the universe type way I just mean if I stood on Lego I just swore once rather than for 10 minutes you know that kind of calmness it was just a bit you know I'd still get irritated about why Tara was still playing with Lego but I wouldn't <laughs> I would I wouldn't say can we sell some of it anymore you know that kind of level of just a bit if I was a if I was a if my stress levels were a 40 out of 100, I'd gone down to about a 37. So it had some small beneficial effect. But the more I learnt about it, the more I realised that it, it's all oh, that. Is, do you think you can drink that water? Yeah. Drink that, can't it? It's flowing. Would you we'll let just... your dog drink that water? Yeah, I think it's okay. I do really love the podcast. And oh, I think thanks. it's because I have an interest in that area. But I think what I'm wary of yeah. is, is a slight earnestness, perhaps, that I feel can often... Yeah, well, this is the thing, because we are, as I say in the first episode, we, we took our sort of interest in meditation a little bit further, did a bit of reading. The, the, the world of Buddhism and meditation is phenomenally linked. So you could, there are so many different types of Buddhism, and there's lots of different types of meditation, but certainly when you read about Buddhism, the one thing, the one constant in all the readings is meditation. It's like the secret key to everything they're saying. Mm. And they're basically, I mean, I'm very much paraphrasing now, but the idea that to some degree, Buddhism is about not constantly relying, thinking or assuming that you are your thoughts. Everything is intellectualized and everything you think about yourself as being is through your brain and through your thoughts. And Buddhism tries to sort of say, well, you're not what your thoughts are. Mm. You are something else. And you can't intellectualise that. You have to practice it. And the only way to really practice it is to, to meditate. You'll never, you can read about it, but you, you'll never get a true insight into it until you just get on with it and meditate. And it gives you the first little glimmers of, oh yeah, I'm feeling that. I see what they're saying. These are glimmers. These are not big life-changing moments where I'm going to shave my head and go and live in Tibet. Yeah. Right? Now, hang on, we have to stop this now because the dog is approaching two swans and I reckon my money's on the swans. Don't you reckon? There's only one way to find out. <laughs> Let's take him off the lead. Place your bets. And the, and the swan has hissed and now we're all backing off. It didn't end well. It just, that was, that was foolish of me. What did I think would happen other than the swans were going to hiss at my dog? Now that moment that the swan just hissed at my dog. Yes. You, the, the implication is that that swan is very angry or tense or whatever because he's going and really hiss. Yeah? Yeah. But the theory of living in the moment is the second that swan turns the other way, I mean, we'll never know. But he's just completely fine again. Because right. now the dog isn't harassing him and we have moved away and it's like it didn't happen. He certainly hasn't gone for a lie down or had to talk to a counsellor. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They live in the moment and they simply say, right, I, now, that moment's gone, I'm now in the next moment, the next moment of peace. And we don't live like that, do we? And similarly... If, imagine if someone came up to you in the park now, they didn't like the look of you, and they went, back off, right? And you backed off a bit and you walked past. We wouldn't go, that was odd, and then carry on talking like it never happened, would we? We'd be, it would it. affect your day, that, wouldn't it? It would affect my life. It would affect your... It'd affect his life, because you'd actually throw him in the river, probably, knowing you, but it, he'd never walk again. <laughs> but... 
But interestingly, Lee, it's, that's, I think that's interesting because obviously also Ludo, who was on the receiving end of the aggression, yeah. is equally unaffected, unaffected by it, as you say. So Ludo's just like, that thing happened and now, oh, I'm with yeah. my pack now and, and I've got a stick in my mouth and this is fun. But we'd be, as humans, we'd analyse it, which ironically we are now doing, but in the context of Buddhism and living in the moment. Now, look, this is a very hack-handed way of saying it, but I did notice that... That's the number one fundamental thing that I have got from meditating and doing some, and I'm always very defensive about it, some very cursory reading about Buddhism. It takes, you know, some people tend to spend years and years in their practice and their teachings. And I'm, I'm like surfing on the top of it. I've just got a, a mild interest. But there are some parts of it that make me go, yeah, I get this. It feels about right. You know, it feels, it makes sense to me, all this. And so when I... When I do the podcast, the very first episode, I do say, you know, that me and Neil firstly got interested in meditating. Secondly, we got interested in Buddhism. Thirdly, we stopped drinking alcohol. And then finally, we've become pretty much almost completely vegan. And I want to know, is there truth in what we're doing? Or are we just a couple of showbiz wankers? Because that is a definite possibility. Because if you'd have said to us at university, this is what you're going to become, we'd have been appalled. <laughs> Absolutely appalled. <laughs> so we, we're on that mission, particularly me, because he's, he's gone, I've stopped. I've been working. I've let my egoic self, to use a little phrase, <laughs> take over again as I've become more, uh, more, <laughs> are you laughing? I mean, you know, you want a serious conversation with me? I'll tell you something, and you laugh in my face. <laughs> and you... Well, like that. He's got, he's got a def better strap than I've got, that dog. What's your dog called? Coco? Millie. Oh, Millie? Millie, that's my daughter's name. Oh. You haven't got a son called Ludo, have you? Oh, they, they get yeah, on. they're getting they're on great, aren't they? very well, aren't they? Very nice. Ludo and Millie. Right, come on then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Millie. I'm both touched that that dog's called Millie. I'm slightly worried now that Millie's a dog's name. <laughs> it's my daughter's name. You know. I just stoked my other son, Rover, doesn't find her. <laughs> I mean, it was there for the taking, I had to say it. Right, go on. <laughs> you talk in the podcast with Neil about yeah. how Neil has gone to this retreat. Yeah. And you have um, a light-hearted dispute about the fact that you chose not to go and you had reasons for that didn't you because you felt well I'll, you you explain why I don't well because i give too much of the content away, it was but. it was it was early on in our journey shall we call it and he said well i'm going to go to retreat and learn about <laughs> i know i've said it all right judge me i've said journey i know i'm hearing myself don't worry this is all part of the i've bought a dog and now i'm going on a journey you know what i mean but you decided not to go on the retreat because yes. you didn't want to sleep in a room with other people yeah so i i said to him, oh great, do us a favour, find out they've got a twin room, and me and you will share a twin room. And he said, well, as it happens, they do have a couple of twin rooms, but you can't ask for them, you just get allotted when you turn up to a room. I said, yeah, that's right, just say we, we really want a twin room. And he said, no, it's, it goes against the ethos of what the retreat's about, about a communal living, and, and I wasn't being all, I didn't think I was, being all, he thought I was being uh, what I call Lardy Dog under Graham, to use an ain't half hot mum reference. Do you remember him? Wow. Remember the piano player? Sergeant Major used to always say to him, look at you, laddie dog, and a Graham. 
And it's a phrase that means you're getting ideas above your station, sons. Who else have you got in your impersonation repertoire? Prince Charles and David Bellamy. <laughs> Neil felt there was a chance that I was saying, I can't share a room with other people because you know I'm the bloke I am? on the There was an element of that. Well, in fact, I'm the kind of person that before, before I went on television uh, would not want to share a dorm with somebody else. And I think there's a lot of people would be similar to me. There's an idea that if you're on the telly, or if you're in film, or if, if you're known at all, that everything about your life is dominated by that. So, whatever, so, you know, if a marriage breaks up in showbiz, you automatically assume that showbiz has got something to do with it. But if the milkman splits up with his wife, you don't go, well, that'll be the hours he's doing. Yeah. You know, there's always, it's, the job is seen to take over everything. So I think it was Stephen Fry was saying that if you're in a queue of people at the supermarket and you're not on telly and no one knows who you are, if the woman at the checkout <laughs> is chattering away and having a chat with her mate who she's serving. Oh, I haven't seen you for ages, how are you? And there's a queue of 20 people. If you were to vocalise it, I'm sorry, I'm not being rude, there's a big queue here, would you mind cracking on a bit? Everyone would secretly applaud you in their head. Yeah. But if you're the bloke on the telly doing that, they'd all be going, listen to the way Mr TV Potatoes is talking to that poor woman. You know what I mean? It, it dominates everything. And right. So there's an assumption that that's your motive. Oh, that all because the time. of his job that he's become yeah. this monster. Yeah. You know. Whereas we all know you were always like. I've that. always been a monster. <laughs> always. But yes, I'm not going to lie. Part of it is that, as I say on the podcast, you know, if Neil farts during the night, uh, soon forgotten about. If I fart in the night, I'm that bloke's anecdote. You know, every time I crop up on the telly, you know, I'm not going to say it's a big thing, but he'll, he'll, the telly will come on and I'm on and he'll go, I shared a, bit, I shared a room with him once and he, he kept farting. <laughs> Is there one big eternal energy that wants, let's call it a god for now, going, I wish more people believed in this, but to test them, they have to share a room first? <laughs> I don't think so. I think they'll be just glad of any interest, wouldn't they? I think, I would assume, if someone's on that retreat... Yeah. In the similar way that I'd assume if I was in group therapy or in Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. I would trust in the motives of the people there. Yeah. I agree with you. If you were at a sort of hotel in Iron Napa, lads on tour, stag party, of course I would understand your reticence. But I suppose, given the nature of it, yeah, I'd yeah. be surprised if those sort of people speaking, seeking spiritual enlightenment would betray someone in that way. It's not, the betray isn't, I want people knowing. I think You felt self-conscious. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit self-conscious about yeah, sharing a room with people that. anyway. But I have to say, I'm also well aware this is worth talking about because it all comes back to the egoic mind and the idea right. that if anybody, even if you're not on the telly, oh, that was a bit of a frightening noise. That was a bit like American Werewolf in London when they hear the noise for the first time. They go, did you hear that? And then they go, no, did you hear what? what? You know, all that. What do you think that means, Lee, when they make that noise? Uh, you here? should, in case it didn't come up on, on your microphone, should I impersonate what we just heard? Yeah. We just heard. <laughs> like Ludo's just give me a funny look. What it means, I think it might be, it's one of two things. It's a warning sign Is it? to us to not go too close. Do you think? Or it's some form of mating call, which would be, to me, another reason not to go too close. Oh. We're all different. What would you rather, <laughs> a deer try to attack you or a deer try to make love to you? Do you know, I've got a strange confession to make. Oh, my God. I think Where it's because hell you've, is this you've gone all Buddhist and I feel yeah. I can open up to you. Yeah. I found there was something extraordinarily beautiful about that animal when I looked at it. 
I felt a real connection with it. Ah, interesting. Well, that's, that is one of the things, when you read about Buddhism and meditation, they often say that's the first glimmer. Sometimes you'll just go for no apparent reason. I mean, I can't pretend I've had this a lot, but you know, you'll suddenly go, I feel weirdly connected to that tree. Yeah. And I don't remember I'm tied to a tree. <laughs> <laughs> See, can't help myself. I'm not there yet, I'm skimming the surface. But yeah, you feel connected with, with, and that's the whole essence of Buddhism, that we're all one entity, we're all one thing. There's so, no self, there's no I. I mean, on a, there's a book called um, Why Buddhism is True, which looks at it in a scientific way. Uh, and I've just started reading it. It's quite interesting, you know, they, they talk about things that make it more of a practical possibility rather than a, a spiritual leap, you know. Do you think... I mean, look at the basics of Buddhism, that you are not yourself, right? And what that means is, right, if I said to you, who are you, what would be your response to that? I'd say, is this going for gold and are you Henry Kelly? <laughs> yeah, but if you weren't trying what to be really I? topical with your references, what would you say? <laughs> oh, hello, Mr Milkman reference. <laughs> no, you can still have Milkman in 2020. But again, on my podcast, I do point out that whenever I want a go-to reference point from the past... I, I'm sorry, I, like I'm for not example, prepared I do, to be schooled in topical, updated references by Lee, by Lee Ma. Yeah, but you're basing that on a prejudice that I've got an accent from the northwest. No, that's <laughs> not true. You've seen my act. Right, now look, the point is, it is true that I, I do say in my podcast that if I, I've made jokes about Tara having an affair and it's always with a milkman because it's the go-to 1980s reference point, isn't it? The 70s and 80s. Yes. And, 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 and I said to Neil, when we've done these jokes, we're both picturing the same milkman. He's got a hat on and a uniform. Do you yes. know what I mean? He's a oh, proper 1970s. He's sort of, there was, a, there was a series of films called Confessions of, well, yeah, Confession. with a guy called Robin Asquith. Yeah. And I see it as that. That's the totally, moment of my totally. eye. There's something comforting about it. There was an innocence about the 70s and 80s. It well, was, or so we thought. It, there was a purity to the adultery. There was a purity. And also, like carry-on films, I totally get that when you watch back, you go, how was some of this outrageous sexism I'm allowed. But I can't deny, like most people at the time, we just thought it was innocent fun. Do you know, you two... Do we suit each other? Something... Well, you think we look like each other, that helps. I think you seem re a really good fit. You know, when you say we look like you, I know exactly what you mean. It's just the fact that we've both got big noses. Without that, I, don't, I know you're being nice about, oh, you've both got striking eyes, but you just mean we've both got quite large noses in comparison to our faces. Do you know what I think it is? I think it's because... You have a natural exuberance. And you think it's... And I that. think that it, you do remind me of a puppy in some senses. Do, do I? Yeah. <laughs> like, but, but both in a positive and a negative. I've got all the exuberance, but you do know at some point I might just poo when I'm not supposed to, metaphorically. I'm not going to literally poo, but you're going to go, yeah, don't, don't do that, Lee. <laughs> One thing that's always struck me about you is that I think... How can I put this? Okay, you once told me a story about how you went on tour yeah. and you decided to drive rather than let the tour manager drive. Yeah, which is... And I did think then that you possibly were quite committed to being in control of situations. Correct. Does that seem a fair Not thing to say? Not only fair, but I would suspect if I went on tour tomorrow, that would still be the same. I went on tour last year with Rob Bryden and David Mitchell and that was only, I don't know, a year ago and... Again, I did all my driving, all my own driving. Right. But, you know, so did Rob, and David can't drive, so he was driven, but... but. Sure, but I, I would just say... But I yes, I'm a control freak when it comes to things like that. I'm still at the stage where, if we go on holiday, and we have done on the last couple of years, 
Tara has flown with the kids and I've met them there. And I'm including Barcelona, I'm including uh, Switzerland. Why? Why? Yeah. Well, you know why, you just said it, I'm a control freak. They won't let me sit up front and drive it. <laughs> and I've asked, I've said, yeah, yeah, of course I'll fly. Can I drive? And they've said, no. And I've said, well, forget it then, I'll, I'll go in the car. They said, at the very least, can you, can you know the basics? You don't drive a plane, you fly it. Are you scared of <laughs> flying, though? Of course I'm scared of flying. Um, I don't have a love of driving long distances that much. Oh, no, I love flying. I just, I just can't stand getting there quickly. Do you know the last time I flew was with Frank Skinner? I'm not saying there's a connection between me never flying again. <laughs> uh, the, no, I, I, had a, I had a worry about flying, and me and Frank were asked to do a show for children in need called Around the World in 80 Days where you had to go round the whole world without flying, but we just do the first leg and then hand the baton over. Mm. We start in the Reform Club and then we end up getting to the border of Turkey and Syria and then hand the baton over. And I said, well, that's perfect because we're not allowed to fly and I don't like flying. And I really, I used to, I still do really like Frank as a comic. I didn't really know Frank that well. I thought it'd be mm. great to hang out with, like, you know, without sounding too gushy, one of my comedy heroes, you know. I really loved Frank's act. And so I thought, what a great way to spend... Um, I had a great time with him and we went. The only one problem was, I was stupid enough to not realise, once I hand that baton over, I've got to get back, haven't I? And I thought, well, I'll get the train back. I got the train, that, well, we got the train and the coach and various ways of getting there. I'll just do the same in return. But the problem is that it, I worked out that I would be arriving back on the afternoon of my wife's 40th birthday. And... I can't say, oh, you know your big special day, I'll be getting there at lunchtime. Mm. So I, had to, I went on a flying course to, to teach me how to be less fearful of flying, where at Heathrow you get to fly a simulated jumbo jet, and it's so realistic, it's what, put it one way, when I walked out at the end, three pilots walked in, because they have to be regularly tested and trained on it. Really? And you get to have a bit of a, a fly, and a bit of a... An experience, you know, they say, what do you want to do? And I go, well, what, the, the, the psychologist is there as well. What, what is it that worries you? Give me an example. I go, I and what know. is it that worries you? Well, various things, but I'll say, uh, you know, head-on collision. Right? They go, okay, press a few buttons. The next minute, you're flying in very realistic circumstances, and in the distance, you see a dot. And they go, that plane is heading straight for us. And then I go, you know, just to check, this is supposed to be relaxing here. <laughs> And they say, now this is what would happen in this situation. And then they talk you through it and the plane comes towards you in the distance and they then show you what happens. And then, and then the alarm goes off. And you still, when the alarm's going off in the cockpit, you still feel it's a long way away and it's still under so control. So they're essentially showing you that the pilot in 99.9% of situations has a situation under control. Under control, to the point where the plane suddenly flew past us, to the point where if there had have been, and I think there might have been a sort of computerised version of a pilot in the other plane, I could see him. I could certainly yeah. see the writing on the side of the plane that passed us. Um, it was close, but yet still felt all under control. And, and, and the guy said to me, you know, I'm a professional pilot, and in the 25 years I've been flying, a plane has never come that close. And even then it seemed controlled, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, now part of the course is that when you get to... When you fly back, I'll talk to you on the morning of the flight and let you know exactly the conditions and what will happen during the flight. And I was relaying it to Frank. 
I said, right, in about five minutes, I think we're going to hit a bit of turbulence. <laughs> sure enough, we hit a bit of turbulence, because this is what the man had told me. Um, and it felt better flying back. But of course, then I got out of the habit of flying again. And, mm. But I have to say, the flip of that is that I do believe people have lost the art of travel. And actually, even if I had no fear of flying at all, train travel is fantastic. I absolutely love it. So when I went to Barcelona last year on the train, it was one of the greatest days I'd ever had, the travelling. So with Buddhism, presumably, the idea... God, I'm sorry to interrupt, but is that the murderer again that we saw before? <laughs> oh no, this one's got kids. I like that you're distinguishing the one we saw before. But no, my point about the Buddhism thing in relation to wanting control is that my understanding of it is that one of the other basic principles of it, of Buddhism, is that what makes us unhappy, everything that makes us unhappy is to do with Trying to attachment. Find yeah, attachment. Attachment to the outcome, to a positive outcome. Yes. So that we get surprised if things go wrong. You can pretty much say that almost all uh, things that happen to you are not the result of the thing that happened, but the result of how you reacted to it, how you... You know, and that's proven by the fact that you can think of some of the biggest things that have happened in your life or my life or in anyone's life. It can be as small as that, that parking space wasn't available or it can be as big as the death of a family member. The truth of the matter is we all know people that react uh, in a way that is different to the... I mean, look at, look at people, the most horrific thing that can happen. You know, you, uh, the, 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 the murder of a child or something. I've heard... Um, there was a horrific news item where uh, somebody w was killed and the parents came out and said, I hope that person gets better. Wow. Got a long prison sentence and said, I hope that person gets better. You know, and some people say, don't they? Some people come out and say, I just want you to know that I have forgiven the murderer. They do say that, don't they? They offer forgiveness. And some people go, I want that person executed. In fact, in America, they often try and get, if someone's trying to not get the death penalty, they will often call on the parents of the victim mm. to speak on behalf of the murderer if, if they think they'll say, we, we actually, we will be part of the plea for, it's clemency, I think it's called, isn't it? Where you say, you know, we don't want the death penalty. If it happened to me, that situation, I know what I would like to believe, that I would be the true, pure, <laughs> Buddhist mentality of forgiveness and love and say, I accept this situation. But the reality is, probably not that, because I'm not that person. I'm not some pure, tranquil Buddhist. I'm a human being who, who would, who's not there, you know. But I, can, I, I like to think that, I, it doesn't mean it's not the right goal though, you know. There are those people that fit their lifestyle around their morals, and there are those people that fit their morals around their lifestyle. That's interesting, I like that. You know, and I, yeah. we all do it a bit. We all say, I, yeah. I believe in this, that, and the other because it suits what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so the fact that I would realistically not be that person who does this, that, and the other in those awful situations doesn't mean you can't strive for it and wish that that was the case. I still think it's morally the correct thing to do. So, for example, I don't believe in capital punishment. I don't believe anybody should be killed. 
You can be the person that says, I don't agree with capital punishment, even though you might know that if anyone did anything to my family, I'd go hang them. Mm. You're allowed to have both of those feelings because you, sh you, sh you can still strive for what is right, even though your emotions will take over. I know this isn't great for the brand, but as a comic, but I think you're quite, you're a very kind, sort of empathetic person. And so sort of what I'm saying is it doesn't surprise me in a way that you've been interested in finding out more about this whole area and enlightenment and I mean I guess it's about well, living that a point, better... I'll just interrupt you and say that it's an interesting thing I know you say comic comedically when you say I know it's not good for the brand I know exactly what and I've said it myself I joke mm. about the fact that this isn't going to help me get the, the Greg's advert right mm. and, and I also pretend I've got a brand but I have to say I've sort of reclaimed it meaning well everyone else says it i might as well join in yeah because when i've had very nice comments said to me i remember victoria mitchell victoria cora mitchell was on um, countdown with me and the joke was by jimmy was how are you going to get on with this herbert today i've been on your team and she said i'll have you know lee mack is one of the most thoughtful intelligent people i know but by god he hides it well Right. Yeah. And it's very nice of her to say that, but whilst at the same time, the idea that I hide it well is complete news to me. Honestly, mm. it really is. I, when people used to say to me, I like your act, Lee, but it's very mainstream, isn't it? Or, or opposite. I like your act and it's very mainstream, meaning it's a positive. A positive. I just still to this day don't quite know what that means. I never went on stage with an attitude of, wouldn't it be good if I had an act that was seen as being broad and that everyone would like or that was old fashioned as well as being whatever. I just went on and did what I found was funny, and so I have no concept of that. So when I'm on Would I Lie to You, the idea that David plays the, this is what we read, me and David, that David plays the posh intellectual one, and I play the brash, stupid northerner, is news to me, and I think a bit to David, because 99% of what David said isn't about him being posh or Oxbridge educated. I'm not saying he won't occasionally do something about that, mm. as I will as well. But most of what we say is just we're just being based on our accents aren't we on our class well also i think there's a to a degree you're ramping up aspects of yourself when you're doing a tv performance but, and i'm you? sure and i'm sure we are but i'll tell you what i don't i'm not aware of it most no. of the time occasionally i am but most of the time well what i mean about that is that you might have had some bad news that day or you might have had you know your i don't know an argument with someone or whatever and you necessarily you can't bring that into yeah. the tv studio so people are only ever seeing one side of you but more importantly they're definitely i still believe we live in a very class-ridden society even if we don't realize we're doing it do you think so yeah we all do it we all base the idea that you know uh david could say spend the whole episode saying really stupid things and i could spend the whole episode saying really intellectual things and i guarantee the result would still be the end the same at the end that mm. you'd probably go he's the posher bloke and the educated guy and he's the brash northern guy based on accents you know if you 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 name me one comic that sounds like they've got a strong northern accent that is also seen as the intellectual comic no yeah. I, I say to you name a comic with a with a middle-class accent that's seen as an intellectual comment yeah. or not even a middle-class accent just not a northern accent i bet your list would be longer yeah uh, because there's a pre-assumed thing and it's classism that's always existed and listen i'm not sitting here going so why aren't i identified <laughs> as because i know what i do i write jokes i tell jokes and jokes in themselves are seen as uh, as a thing that 
to some, some degree people, you know, I'd often hear when I started out in comedy, comedians doing interviews going, my problem is I just can't write jokes, as if they're being self-deprecating. But they weren't. What they're saying is, I'm, I'm above it. <laughs> but, but on the pretense that they're not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I used to go, oh, get off, get, get a life, mate. You know, don't, <laughs> don't be giving me this, <laughs> my problem. You know, you hear, you'll often hear comedians say it. You say, the problem with me is I couldn't do any other job. I wouldn't be capable. And you go, yes, you would. You just, you just oh. be, you're above doing any other job. But you want to pretend that it's some self-deprecating thing that you're not capable of working in B&Q. Come on, do you want a treat? Need you. Need a treat. Anyway, look, we got onto the subject of class and this this is it doesn't matter what people think anyway because like i was saying i tried to give you an introduction <laughs> this cack-handed introduction because i don't know anything about the subject myself <laughs> and say if someone said who are you what would you say yeah and what was the answer to that question you'd say your name wouldn't you yeah so who are you then you go i'm emily dean mm. broadcaster extraordinaire <laughs> author podcaster and friends of the stars <laughs> Because that's what you say to me when I... That's what's on your answering machine message. Drop that, please. Drop that. But that interests me, Lee, about defining yourself. Because I think, for me, I think that was probably why I was... A lot... Not in such a great space for, the, for quite a long period of my life. Because when someone said, who are you? My reaction was to say... Oh, what do you do? And tell me about you. Yeah. Because I felt slightly... It's just that sense of... What, what do you identify as? Yeah, it's like I felt uncomfortable because I didn't really identify as anything. I just would sort of... Well, this is the thing about what Buddha, Buddhism concentrates on. It talks about the labels and stuff. So on the surface level, it will say, you know, well, don't worry about, you know, saying that you are a whatever, broadcaster yeah. or a... Because that's not who you are. That's what you do for a living. That's not who you are as a person. Yes. Um, but then you start getting a bit deeper with that and it starts to get a bit screws with your head a little bit because then you go, and if you're going to follow through the Buddhism logic, you might even say, you're not even Emily, that's just something that your parents decided they were going to yeah, call you. Yeah. That's not who you are, is it? If, if, if your name is, if you are Emily, then it begs the question, who was my child for three months? Because we didn't name him. Yeah. I mean, we didn't give our children names for months. Yeah. We just kept calling him the baby because we couldn't work out what to call our children. <laughs> we're not the kind of family that have ever given names whilst they're in inside my wife we have to have a look at them and check them out i mean on a very simple level you go is, are you going to give them a boy or girl's name and then you go into a whole different label, uh, level of label and then when you start getting into the serious buddhism you start going you're not even you're not even your body <laughs> and it gets very deep and it's it very hard to understand and, and and you start questioning is it pretentious or is it true and and uh, but, Real Buddhists believe you're not even... This body's just a little thing you're carrying around for a while. Your true self is eternal. And it gets very deep and very hard to understand, if I'm going to be honest. Do, but do you think it's made you happier? I always would have... Yours strike me as... You know that sunshine and showers idea of a person, which I guess I'm a bit like that. I'm either very up or very down. Yeah. You strike me as very consistently up. But I don't know if that's the case. Well, do you, I don't... Am I consistently... I, I don't... It, it's a very hard... Asking if someone is happy is one of the hardest questions in the world to answer, isn't it? Are you happy? And you go... I remember when I did my book, I went to see a psychiatrist because the book, as you know, was, was interspersed with a, with a psychiatrist. Mm. 
And so I went to see the psychiatrist, could you read the chapters and then ask, ask me questions about the chapters? Because the, the publisher doesn't think it's gone very deep. And I can have my cake and eat it. I don't want to go deep, but if I have a psychiatrist interspersing it, it looked like I've made the effort whilst keeping it light at the same time and turning it into a sketch, which is what I did in the book. But during those conversations, I remember conversations about, you know, how would you, how would you label your happiness from one to ten and all that. And, what a, what a difficult question. If I said to you, how happy are you from one to ten? What's, what, what is the scale you're going by? If you say, what, guess the temperature in this room, you have something to compare it to, don't you? You go, well, my living room's 21 degrees, so I'm going to guess this is a bit colder. Let's go for a 19. You've got something to go by, but you've not lived in anyone else's body. So how do you know what scale you are? If we swap bodies, you might go, oh, no, I'm happier than that. <laughs> or you might go, Blimey, he's, he's a lot calmer than he comes across. You just don't no, know. But I would compare it to the li the most sad I've ever felt. Yeah. And I would say, right, the most sad I've ever felt. Say that was a zero. Yeah. And what? So um, today, I'd I say. But you've only ever reached one, haven't you, nine. before today? This is a nine happiness. Yeah. Oh, what, that's nice, isn't it? What I happiness mean, is this for what, you? Which was your podcast day that got a ten? <laughs> Classic performer mentality. I'm. It's a nine, but it reads like a ten. <laughs> That's the way I'll interpret it. Ludo brings it up that extra one oh, for the 10. That's nice. Do you know what, Lee? I've loved our walk. I love spending time with Ludo. I really think you found the right dog for you. I have to say, he's. I am actually in love with my dog. Are I'm you? Not, yeah, I'm properly in love with my dog. I wake up in the morning, we've got a video camera in his, in his cage. I'm going to call it a cage. He only sleeps in it. We don't cage him up all day. And we've got a video camera. And the main reason the video camera is there is so if he's up and about in the morning, I know to get down quick to let him out so he doesn't poo inside the cage, mm. right? But actually, I start, find myself just looking at it in the morning. I look to see if he's awake, and when he's asleep, I just keep looking at it. I mean, that's like when you first meet a girl and you just like look at the photo even. And you keep her in the cage. Keep her in the cage <laughs> and then take her out for a poo in the morning. You know, Tara's totally house trained now, which is lovely. Do you think you've changed? Since getting a dog? I think it does change you a bit. I think it does. I think what it does is, it, it, I've always said that when you have kids, what it does is it forces you to not be selfish. It doesn't mean that you, be, you, you become spiritually less selfish. You've got no choice. Yeah. You've got to change the nappy. You've got to feed the child. You've got to think about somebody else. And stopping thinking about yourself, even if you don't believe in any meditation or Buddhism, is almost always a good thing. That's part of the reason why if you help someone else, it's not a spirit, just a spiritually good thing to help somebody else, it just stops you thinking about yourself. And when you stop thinking about yourself, I mean, have you ever done a really mundane job like digging holes in the garden? Where, no, of course you haven't. <laughs> look at the look on your face. How would I begin to do that? <laughs> if you do a really mundane job that has no that you don't have to put any thought into. No, it's like that Gandhi Washing thing. Up. Gandhi always said, you know, that thing about cleaning the toilet. That was his thing, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, what he made he his wife clean the toilet. He felt everyone should do that because it's kind of grounding, isn't it? I know you well enough to know that you'd be the kind of person that would make sure that they personally made the phone call. <laughs> Not get someone else to do it. You make the phone call that books the person that cleans your toilet. And that's why I've always liked Emily. You're grounded. You don't get... A lot of people will get their PA to book the cleaner, but you, you will phone them yourself. And you'll even show them where the toilet is and everything. And that's, that's, what, that's why you are Emily Dean. But you're not. Because Lee, that's I've just loved, a label. 
I've loved today and I should say I thoroughly recommend your podcast I've listened to all of them I think the kind of people that will enjoy it if you if you if you are properly into meditation seriously and seriously into Buddhism you might be disappointed <laughs> I'll be honest, because... Can, can you use that, maybe, for use a Use that as the quote. Because I think <laughs> that we are... You might be disappointed. You might be disappointed. However, if you're the kind of person that has a sense that there's some truth in it all, but don't, doesn't know how to get there, because yeah. you keep going, I meditate, but I just... I keep thinking about other things and I can't do it. This podcast for you, because that's what we're like. Well, that's what I'm like. <laughs> I can't... I mean, within two minutes of any meditation, I'm thinking, have I... Have I fed the dog and I used to think that before I got a dog that's how much my mind wanders Lee thank you and bye Ludo say bye bye Ludo <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed listening to that and do remember to rate review and subscribe on iTunes <laughs>